Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion, addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hey, good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in to Stand Up For The Truth. And if you're in the Midwest or Wisconsin, uh, bundle up. It's going to be pretty cold for a while. But anyway, we're going to Heat things up here with a passionate conversation with uh, Pastor Scott Lively, and we've got so much to talk about what's going on in the country and some updates that you might be surprised about. Before we open in prayer, though, and introduce Scott again, um, seven things. God is still sovereign. Christ is still on his throne. The Spirit is still interceding. The church is still essential. Satan is still deceiving the gospel is still saving, and glory is still coming soon. We can't wait for the return of our blessed hope of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's go to him right now and ask for help. Lord, uh, thank you for giving us another day to love you, to serve you, to love our neighbors, and to speak the truth and hopefully make an impact as we try to preserve a culture and a country that is it's being destroyed, Lord, and you, and you know what's going on. You know more than we do because you see things uh, from the end, from the beginning, and in the realm of the Spirit. We know you are working, God, and I pray that you'd wake up your church. In Jesus' name, give us wisdom and just guide our hearts today, Lord, and encourage those who need encouragement. And uh, we thank you that you are in control. You are sovereign, and we can trust you no matter what. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're so blessed to have back with us uh, Dr. Scott Lively, and we're going to be talking about the MAGA Reset Plan to Restore the Republic. And Scott, thank you so much for taking time to be with us on Stand Up for the Truth. So great to be back with you again, David. God bless you. God bless you. And uh, how are things? You're in Massachusetts, right? How are things over there? I'm actually in Memphis. Okay, Memphis. That's Uh, right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I, I I was born and raised in Massachusetts, so I spent a lot of time there, yeah. and my most recent major project was an inner-city mission that uh, we ran uh, directly for seven years, turned it over to local leadership, and I've been going back and forth from there for quite some time, but currently uh, in Memphis. Uh, well, we've got—I uh, don't feel bad for you then—we've got a week of um, sub-zero temperatures, which I call frigidiculous. Um, but, Scott, tell us, before we get into some of the topics, some of the headlines, what's happening in the courts, and the reset plan that you have to restore the republic, tell us about Swamp Rangers, for those who uh, don't get your email newsletters. What what have you come up with? Well, Swamp Rangers is an organization that, you know, we're specialists in swamp creature pest control. <laughs> uh, sort of uh, campy but uh, cunning constitutionalism. Uh, using humor as a as essentially a a cover uh, or a context for very serious uh, social, cultural, political activity uh, to drain the swamp in America, and and of course this was conceived at the time when I still believe Donald Trump was going to have a second contiguous term, uh, and so our agenda is a little bit changed, mm-hmm. but but not entirely. We're still focused on organizing constitutionalists into a national grassroots network focused on retaking the country from the bottom up. Mm. That's a tall order, isn't it? <laughs> it's, a, it's a gigantic order, far, far bigger than what anything I can do. I'm a very small ministry, but I think that the plan, the MAGA reset plan, uh, is, is uh, something that President Trump and the MAGA leaders should adopt, I, I, I believe, it's the answer to how we take the country back in the shortest possible time. Mm. And we don't have much time left. We know it's running out. We know uh, Bible prophecy is being fulfilled. Jesus is still on the throne. But, man, I think he's getting ready to return, and part of that return is judgment, which is which begins with the house of God. And part of the reset plan, Scott, as you are trying to you know raise awareness and push for 
part of that reset plan has to be in the church. It's got to start with believers, repentance. Uh, where do you see that challenge right now? Well, you know, they, there's a there's a great shaking that's <clears throat> been that's happening. Uh, the sheep are being divided from the mm. goats in in the sense of of uh, of who actually believes and lives by uh, the Bible. Who has an authentic, genuine, uh, biblical worldview that defines them and that defines their actions? And that's the, that's the point of division. And it is it's enormously influenced and and even defined in many ways by politics, the very category of human endeavor that the church has avoided like the plague is the, is the place where, peop- where the dividing is happening. Mm-hmm. Where do you stand on public policy? I mean, the public policy that affects the lives of your neighbors and your family all over this country, all over the world. Where do you stand on those public policy issues where the truth of God is being uh, attacked by the Marxist, atheistic uh, worldview that challenges it. Mm. And if you shrink from standing up for truth on those issues in, in, the, in the realm that, where it's most relevant, which is really the political, cultural realm, then how can you say that you're actually a believer? How can you say you have a biblical worldview if you only exercise it inside the walls of a sanctuary? Mm. We um, Wow, there's so much to get into today. Let's talk about some of those policies before we uh, get into the reset plan to restore the republic. And uh, Rand Paul, I have been impressed with him for many years. Not everything he says or does, but he's one of those senators that I really appreciate his voice of reason. Uh, First of all, I thought it was funny. He suggests impeaching Chuck Schumer after they try to impeach Trump again. But he's talking about one of Biden's policies here in one of the sessions, and he simply asked the question about the transgender policy, right? He says, so you're okay with boys competing with girls? Um, Scott, we, we've gotten to this place in America where obviously evil is being called good and good evil, but the, the, the church seems to have lost its voice when we can't even speak into issues of creation, which, I mean, biologically— you know, I mean, science backs up what the Bible says about male and female, but yet here is our upside-down culture dealing with some of these most basic of issues, and Biden is pushing this, and people are going to be very uh, disappointed when their girls start losing races, more races and more sporting events to boys. Right. Well, and, and David, isn't it a shame that we have to discuss the, the, um, the abomination of the defilement mm. of God's one flesh paradigm, the male female binary reality of our of the way we are created by God Himself, that we can't we can't condemn that on on its face. We have to put it in 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 terms of girls losing to boys in races. Right. Mm. That's about that's a it's of course it's an issue. And it's something it, it sort of brings it home to people, but but that, that's a concession to political correction, correct correctness. It's mm-hmm. a concession to the idea that we can't even have a public discussion about the things of God unless we do it in some sort of a context that's relevant uh, to, uh, to to feminists, mm-hmm. right? To feminists who have rejected the truth of God already right so we're now we're we're coming to the rescue we're, we're trying to deal with this uh this uh, this attempt to destroy the the image of god in in our public policy mm-hmm. um and we're having to do it in the on this secondary side issue of whether girls are going to be defeated by boys right. uh in in uh in sporting events right that's the tragedy yes that's the tragedy that we that that we've lost the consensus in the country that the things of God are true and the attacks on the things of God are, are lies. Mm. And uh, so that's my response to that. Well, apparently uh, there are more than one uh, transgender individuals that President Biden has you know, nominated. I think another one um, is for education secretary, which shouldn't surprise us. But one of the things after uh, Rand Paul asked this nominee, 
a question about uh, this transgender policy. Here's their response. It's critically important to respect the rights of all students, including students who are transgender. How does a Christian respond to that, Scott? Well, first of all, I, I'm, I've sort of taken uh, you know, spiritual offense <laughs> to calling Joe Biden the president. Mm. I do not accept Joe Biden as the president of the United States. He is only in the White House through election fraud, the most egregious election fraud in American history, probably in the history of the world, and that he's, a, he's the putative president. He's not the president of the United States. I will never concede that point. Mm. Uh, I will not concede that point. And I don't care how many social media platforms they throw me off for saying that. That's the truth. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, I mean, it's really what's being played out still in the courts today. Let's talk about that for a minute because a lot of people just wanted to move on. But it wasn't because everything was legitimate and on the up and up regarding the November election. It was because the chaos, we were in such crisis fatigue in all of 2020. People just wanted the chaos to end. So they were willing to wave the white flag and roll over and say, okay, whatever, just do anything. Just let us move on and get to back to some sort of normalcy, which to me is never the right response. But I pulled up an article on LifeSite News. Uh, President Trump apparently is winning election lawsuits, but of course the media will not report on this uh, because, of course, there was no election fraud because the courts have said so. No, the courts have not said so. A lot of courts didn't take the cases. So there were 80 suits at one point. 34 have been withdrawn uh, or dismissed due to legal technicalities. And judges who dismissed the suits never heard the evidence. And I know you're an attorney, Scott. You could tell and explain uh, more than I can about this. But just some of the numbers here. 25 cases are still ongoing. 25 of the 46 remaining lawsuits. And here are the numbers boiled on in this article. You may be surprised to learn this, people. Again, the media won't touch this. Out of these 21 cases, Trump has won 14 and lost 7. Scott, I would love to hear your explanation of what's going on in the courts and your thoughts about this news article that the media won't touch. Yes, well, one of the things that uh, we as Americans have always sort of assumed and, uh, you know, and the assumption has been bolstered by, you know, the, by the by the culture is that the is that the the judiciary is independent, and uh, what we've seen, especially <laughs> in 2020, is the judiciary is not independent. No. In fact, in some ways, it's the most political branch of the of the federal government, uh, and 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 the state governments as well. Uh, and what we saw in 2020 was the um, sort of the the shakedown artists of the Democrat Party, right? The Antifa and BLM rioting and all those things that were going on were all part of a coordinated campaign to leverage fear, right? To put fear in people's hearts about the consequences of opposing uh, the, the machine. And, that, and, and the, the, the judges are just as fearful of that machine as anyone else, if they're not complicit in it already. And so there was this sort of wave of terrorism that was that was sweeping across the country uh pushing along this narrative that donald trump is a white supremacist fascist who must be defeated at all costs or the nation's going to be destroyed and so when all when the, the when the election fraud occurred uh and and you know began to occur because it actually it took place over a period of weeks beginning on november 3rd uh, but not ending there uh, then uh, the, the the courts were, were were already set up to to um, to uh, be taken down, right? They they were set up to be taken down and be pushed back to be intimidated into silence or complicity. And so all these cases that came forward, none of them got a hearing. None of the evidence was never um, uh, uh, adjudicated, right? There was exactly. never a showing of the evidence in any of the courts. Right. The, the, even the even the wins that, that President Trump has had have been on secondary issues, not the question of whether election fraud actually occurred. And that still has not happened yet, hmm. because because all of these these judges have simply 
um, capitulated, and including the United States Supreme Court under the control of John Roberts. Mm, right? The, the yep. Chief Justice has an enormous amount of power to determine what the court's going to hear, et cetera, et cetera, what the calendar's going to be. That's why he's in there as the Chief Justice, to, to, to serve that role. And uh, when they... When the Supreme Court refused to take the, the case from Texas mm. that uh, that was backed by, I don't know, what, 20, eight, nine, 18 to 20 something uh, states all asking the Supreme Court to use its original jurisdiction over disputes between states to step in and and uh, and cause the ele- uh, election irregularities uh, to be uh, uh, adjudicated in the original jurisdictions. They refused, mm. and so uh, no one, no one's going to follow that capitulation, right? At the Supreme Court level, what was the if reason? You're a lower court judge. You're not going to do more than the Supreme Court did, right? What was the reason they gave? Do you remember? Lack of standing, hmm. right? Lack of standing is uh, uh, is just the is to, is basically the a way for the court to, to deny a case uh, without. Uh, uh, having to review the evidence, mm. it's it basically says you don't have the right to bring this particular matter before the court. You're not the right plaintiff. Wow. Right? That's the that's the, that's the what it means not to have standing. Like if you were to say, I'm going to sue, um, I'm going to sue the the guy that cheated my next door neighbor. Right? You know he. He came over and he did a really lousy job, you know, building his garage. And I'm going to take that guy to court. The court would say, "Well, you don't have standing, right? You weren't the one that was harmed. It was him. Mm. Your neighbor was harmed. That's the, you know, that's the appropriate, uh, you know, use of of a lack of standing rejection. But what the court did was not appropriate because the Texas clearly did have standing, and the court Supreme Court had original jurisdiction, and that didn't have to wait for it to come up through the states. But anyway, that's what that's what I'm that's what it's the politicization." of the judiciary was on full display in 2020. Mm-hmm. And now what will happen? Two questions I want you to answer. We might have to do it after the, the break coming up in three minutes. Um, do you think President Trump's judi- judicial appointments, I mean, federal judges and the Supreme Court appointments, he made three of them. Uh, will that level the playing field in future court cases regarding religious freedom? Let's just start with that question. Well, it depends. See, the the, the three judges that got that were put on the court were all Heritage Foundation vetted people, right? Mm-hmm. Heritage Foundation is good on some things, not good on other things. <laughs> what what really we saw in the in the breakdown uh, uh, in the in the sort of behind the scenes political activity was a fight between the America First populists slash nationalists and the neocons, right? That the neocons. Like you know, Forbes magazine, uh, the the um, you know, there's a whole whole raft of them. You know, the paleoconservatives really versus neocons, neoconservatives, and the the neoconservatives are who got put on the Supreme Court, and they're going to go along. But what do the neoconservatives want? Perpetual war. Uh, they want a uh, business climate with that allows uh, uh, for. Cheap labor, meaning open borders, uh, and uh, and so that's why they came out. You know, the whole Lincoln Project, the whole Bush uh, uh, contingent of the of the Never Trumpers. That's who they were. They were neoconservatives, and Trump representing the paleoconservatives, the populist slash nationalists, uh, and uh, and so in future. In Supreme Court cases on religious liberty issues, some of them are going to go our way uh, because the neocons, uh, you know, recognize their constituency is made up uh, to a large extent of conservative Christians, at least a plurality, large plurality. Uh, And that uh, so but they also do not stand strong on, uh, like, for example, the LGBT agenda. Right. The LGBT agenda is something that we've already slipped. Even Trump slipped on that one, you know, mm. slipped away from the biblical model on that one. Uh, and so it's going to be a mixed bag. We're going to conservatives, generally speaking, are going to be ha- a lot happier with the new court than they were with the previous court. But it's not going to be the solution to the problem that mm. we that we really need, 
because it's just going to perpetuate the Bush side of the Purple Uniparty uh, <laughs> agenda and not uh, the, uh, the authentic uh, full-spectrum conservative-slash-constitutionalist worldview. Uh, Scott Lively, we got more to talk to talk about. Actually, when we come back, this, the deep state is too deep, I think. But anyway, we're going to talk about that plan that you have to restore the republic. Also, double standards and how long will COVID be with us? More on Stand Up For The Truth when we come back. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest is Dr. Scott Lively, pastor, author of many books, and man, he's been fighting the good fight and advocating for biblical worldview for uh, at least three decades. Uh, Scott, we I changed my mind um, as far as what we're going to do. We don't need to get into how long will COVID be with us because um, it served their purposes. And now I think the globalists say, okay, now we can use it to continue to control people and and America, kind of to break America. And as far as the double standards go, they're going to be with us forever. We, we Everywhere we look, whether it's COVID uh, restrictions, blue state governors, whether it's Pelosi and the double standards coming out, the fence and the wall around the Capitol, and they're not putting a wall. They're stopping the building, the wall, the southern border. We're looking at double standards and hypocrisy. We could do shows on it every day, but I don't want to be tedious and redundant. But your quick thoughts on these two things before we move to the plan to restore the republic. Yes, well, you know, public health crises have always been a tool of the elites. Actually, when the, their main sort of fallback weapon, when all else fails, and uh, like I like to point out to people, is the swine flu was a prototype for what's going on right now. Swine flu only emerged when the Tea Party launched, right? The Tea Party got launched with, a, with mm. the rant uh, that heard around the world on the floor of the Chicago Mercantile Exchange by, uh, I forget the guy's name, uh, anyway. Uh, and, 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 the, and the day that it went pandemic was actually tax day, the day when the Tea Party was having national uh, protests all over the country. And uh, and I believe that the strategy was if it had been bigger than the than the elites could control, they were going to do then what they've done now with lockdowns and all that. But as it turned out, they realized that they could actually uh, neutralize the Tea Party without the use of the swine flu as the as the remedy, you know, lockdowns and everything. And uh, and so they didn't implement it in the same way. But Trump was a bigger problem, right? And I've, what I've called, yeah. I, I've called COVID-19 globalist chemotherapy, <laughs> right? That's chemotherapy is when you poison yourself in order to kill the cancer, knowing that, that it's going to be very painful, mm. but you're going to survive it and the cancer won't, and then you can rebuild afterwards, build back better. Wow. Right? That's, that's what's going on. So, so COVID-19 is uh, globalist chemotherapy. But it's been so effective at pushing through policies that they're yes. not going to drop it for a long time. Yes, thank you for and connecting the, those dots. Thank you. And, and, for, and as far as the double standards go, I mean, the most egregious one is this this over-exaggeration of the incursion of the Capitol. Yep. After an entire year of the Democrats burning down their own cities, caused billions of dollars of damage— and all these uh, Democrat politicians calling for violence openly yep. uh, to now then exaggerate a few hundred people being sort of induced by Antifa radicals who were there in advance, all prepped, you know, with uh, with with, uh, uh, you know, pre-planned cameras in place to videotape it all for the media. Yes, right? that's what happened on January 6th. And uh, and. And so that's the worst double standard of all. Uh, and, of course, there's nobody to hold these guys accountable for their double standards because they own big tech and they own big media. Yep. And we're sort of stuck sharing these ideas between ourselves, you know, in in coffee clutches yep. uh, while they continue to broadcast their propaganda in all of the, the, the public information systems that our country has. And I agree 100 percent with you. There is no one to hold them accountable. And this has been a problem for at least two decades. I believe personally following the media and following now with the just explosion of big tech and their power. 
It's amazing to me. The left controls every major institution in America, and now they have, uh, you know, the the uh, three branches of government. Plus, um, they're getting into the church as well. That's our concern. So, Scott, let's. You've come up with a plan, at least a five point plan, and you've called it the MAGA Reset Plan to Restore the Republic. And I would just love for you. Is by the way, can they get this at SwampRangers.com or? Uh, have you put this yes, out? Yes, it'll it'll be published. I haven't. Pu- it's it's actually going to be my WorldNet Daily column. Okay. Uh, well, wait, actually, no, it's not my WorldNet Daily column. Tonight. It'll be attached to it. Okay. Uh, as a PDF, you'll be able to get it there. It will be posted at scottlively.net later today. It'll be going out as part of my uh, weekly recap news e- email newsletter, uh, which you can uh, you can get on the list for uh, by sending me an email at scottlivelyministries at gmail.com uh, and so you can get in any of those ways but it's a it's basically it's a five-point plan and this is how we take the country back you know who can hold these guys accountable we the people can hold them accountable but we have to do it we have to organize and that's it's that's what it's a point number one is we need to organize the the the, the mega hundred million into a grassroots army nationwide. That's what Swamp Rangers is for. But of course, I'm just a, I'm, you know, I'm just a puny little ministry with no real clout, uh, no, not no ability to implement something of, on this grand of a scale. But this is how you, how we do it. That a, a great grassroots mm-hmm. beats money and media always, right? Because great, because true. I mean, everybody understands about a little bit about grassroots, but great grassroots is where you have the, the, the MAGA millions organized all the way down to the precinct level with a hierarchical system, not necessarily rigid, but you know, with different people being able to operate in you know, parallel uh, grassroots networks, um, and all of them focused on election integrity and uh, taking the state legislatures, this is a later point in the plan, but taking the state legislatures uh, under our control by 2022. So point one is getting the people organized. It's not that hard to do. When I was with the Oregon Citizens Alliance, we had the largest grassroots Christian political network in the country's history. Pat Robertson followed our example. In fact, he came out to talk with us before he launched Christian Coalition, and we were the Oregon affiliate in that network. Um, and uh, we had people, uh, we had a state uh, organization uh, with, with leadership at the top, and then we had county directors and then subdivisions all the way down to the precinct level across the state. And, uh, and, and we did ballot measure campaigns, and we were winning them left and right. Mm. We won 26 consecutive uh, city and county ballot measures in a row, not a single loss, uh, and by having that grassroots network. Even though the, the media, mm. the Democrats, and the Republican establishment were all against us, and we still beat them. Uh, on through through a through great grassroots hmm. that can be done across the country. There's a hundred million people, or even if you even if you drop it down just to the seventy four million, which is a, a which is not the full number of the Trump voters. Right. Even just the seventy four million, you're talking about the most the most powerful political uh, movement. It's, it's just not organized now. It's not organized, and so it can't be focused. Uh, and, and that's what has to happen first. That's point number one. Okay, just to reiterate, um, great. I love what you said. Great grassroots movements beat uh, big money, big media every time. And we just need some organization. So I appreciate what you're doing. I know others are trying to get Christians and conservatives and Republicans on alternate uh, social media platforms. And we're trying to connect with one another in different ways. So you say that we need only to structure uh, to focus our power. So thank you for that point. Do you have anything to add? Do you want to go to number two? Uh, no, number two, number two. It's, and, and that's the, that's the, um, uh, the focus on uh, defeating election fraud, right? The way that we defeat election fraud, grassroots is, is really the best system for defeating uh, voter fraud. And you do that by voter validation. Once you're organized, uh, once you've got the grassroots organized and working together mm. and a system for everybody to get, you know, the talking points for the day and the, you know, and the, and the plan, whatever, 
to, to be told, you know, where the rally is going to be, where the picket's going to be, where the where the door to door canvassing is going to be going on, all that kind of stuff. That is how you focus the energy. And what you do, let's just take a typical state legislative district. A state legislative district is small enough that you can actually, if you've got a decent team of grassroots activists, you know, using using the most simple uh, tools, right? Voter lists, uh, precinct maps, and simple basic people skills. You can validate every single authentic registered voter in the district. You can talk to them personally. You can actually you can canvas them to find out what they think, right? To see if they're yeah. on your side, if they're on the other side, hmm. and to identify all the fake voters that are on the list, every single one. You can actually have a a, a, a authentic, complete, accurate voter list with with uh, with each person or as many who as will talk with you um, identified based on their political inclinations, what their what their issues are. And if you start doing that, you know, most of this stuff only happens at the very tail end hmm. of an election cycle. Election cycles run two years. If you start at the beginning of the election cycle and your grassroots team for that district stays on top of it and is diligent, then by the time the election rolls along, all those people are going to be your friends. They're going to be cooperating with you in simple tactics for defeating election fraud. Hmm. You're, those people will have infiltrated the uh, all the precinct um, uh, uh, polling places, right? They'll be there. They'll be actually the, the people helping at the tables, the people standing, you know, the the monitors, uh, and uh, and you'll be able in the, during the process of validating those voters and building, continuing to build that grassroots network. You're going to be able to. You're going to have such an enormous amount of political clout. Because whenever there's a, like a, a, a city council meeting or a county commission meeting or a state legislative hearing that's dealing with any part of the MAGA agenda, you've got the place packed to the gills because the people are organized and they're, and they're focused on taking the country back. And so you can, even in the process of doing the voter val validation and building the grassroots network, you can be putting all these politicians on their heels, right? forcing them to take a stand on election integrity, forcing them to do the right thing, to switch back to paper ballots or whatever it is we decide is most critical to do. And so, so the, and that's, that's point number two. Well, you defeat election fraud with voter validation with a grassroots network. Let me just ask you this to uh, speak to those people that are listening right now that are so, uh, I don't want to say overwhelmed, but maybe they've they're close to giving up on this process, the whole process of voting, because they don't believe our elections are fair any longer. And especially after what we just went through and are going through now, uh, speak to them, Scott, because I, I agree with your points. I like that you put together this plan and some organization behind it. But people are fatigued and they're just kind of tired of, of being taken advantage of in this way and what was allowed to happen. So speak before we go on to point number three, just speak some encouragement to those. Hey, and I'm not going to encourage you, folks. I'm going to rebuke you. Don't give up. Do not grow weary in doing good. Amen. Right? The scripture is very adamant on that point. Mm. Right? You haven't even you haven't gone through anything like what the what the heroes of the Bible have gone through. You haven't yet shed blood for the cause of the gospel. Mm. You haven't you know endured the things you you know the. The, 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 in the, what is it, Hebrews? In the book of Hebrews, it talks, gives that list, right? The rebuke that's, that's a rebuke. Mm. Get up off your butt and get to work taking your country back, or you're handing your children and your grandchildren over to slavery, right? Mm. Isn't that worth pushing through fatigue? Amen. Yes, of course it is. Thank you. So there it is. Thank you. Thank you. I think a lot of people needed to hear that because we, we are so spoiled here in America. We really are. Thank God really. for our Constitution and the First Amendment and all the, the privileges we have here. But boy, do we take them for granted. And we don't like working to maintain our freedoms. But that's what is necessary. Scott, go ahead to point number three in this plan to restore the republic. Well, the, and, and for, for 2022, uh, we take control of three quarters of the state legislatures. That has to be the primary goal. This is the, the most fundamental component of, the, of our constitutional republic, 
in terms of its political structure, the most basic, most fundamental element is the state legislature. The state legislature is uh, everything is built around that and built upon that foundation all the way up. That's where the power was supposed to be. And that's where the power was for a very long time. And then gradually over time, the federal government encroached upon that power and assumed more and more authority for itself until the state legislatures were pretty much um, neutralized, at least it seemed so, until Donald Trump came along. When the elites used all their power at the federal level, the judiciary, the the the, the, the House of Representatives, uh, the the um, their their deep state agents inside the ex- his own executive branch, when they were thwarting him left and right on the election fraud, what did he do? He went right back to the state legislatures where the real power is, and he showed the entire MAGA movement and all of Americans that. That's where it, that's what it's all about, that they're the ones who have the, the power over election law and policy. And all of a sudden, that's what the Texas case was really about. Hmm. In term, that was the real benefit of the Texas case, because it showed that it's the states that have the power. It reminded everybody about states' yes, rights. Yes. And of course, that's the 10th Amendment. But even more fundamental to states' rights is Article 5. And and uh, and that's the next point. Uh, and, and if I may, just to jump right into that, because the fifth point or the, the, the next point, which would be what point, uh, four, point four is is the um, a constitutional uh, a, a, a convention of states. Mm-hmm. Article five, um, option two, uh, article five is about the power of uh, of the people under and over the Constitution, under the Constitution in the sense that how the, this, the Constitution is structured, original intent, all of that. But we also have power over the Constitution because the Constitution was created by a convention of states. That's right. Right. That's that's who did it. That's mm. who, that's who established it. And that, and whenever it gets to a point, a point where uh, the where the, the, the federal government has gotten too big and too unwieldy, too powerful, and is robbing the people of their authority, it's the Convention of States is the remedy for that. That's what it's put there for. Alexander Hamilton in, in, uh, in the Federalist 85, right? He defined it. He said the Article 5 uh, Convention of States is the remedy for out-of-control federal power. Yes. And uh, and so that's what you do. So if you've got, this is why you have to get three-quarters of the state legislatures yep. in the control of the MAGA movement. Yep, and got, once you do that... Yep, we've got to take a break, Scott. Uh, thank you so okay. much. We are going to uh, continue this list on restoring the republic. I love what I'm hearing, and I think you're encouraging a lot of people Thank you for putting this, this together. More with Scott Lively when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Dr. Scott Lively is helping us uh, organize to restore the republic, and I just want to uh, recap some of the points. Uh, organize into a grassroots army. That's something we can do this year. Number two, nullify election fraud through voter validation. Number three, in 2022, take MAGA control of 38 state legislatures to achieve an unstoppable people's supermajority under the U.S. Constitution. 2023, hold America's first ever Article 5 Convention of States. And 2024 was what you're going to get into in a minute. But Scott, before we got back on the air here, please share the uh, there's different people listening to this podcast right now. Some have no clue what to do. Others have been already out there doing a lot of work. So please share uh, the, the two levels of involvement. Yes. First of all, if you do not have, if, if we're not connected, send me an email, scottlivelyministries at gmail.com, and I will send you directly a copy of the plan. It's one page uh, uh, MAGA reset plan. Uh, and, and I'll put you on the on the list, and you and and you can go forward with it. This is my 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 uh, appeal to you. Look, if you've got grassroots organizing skills, take this plan and run with it with our blessing, a hundred percent. Build 
a gigantic army. Do whatever you can using your skills to accomplish the plan, and and uh, and we'll be we'll be totally happy about it. We're not. This is not a turf thing. If you don't have those kind of skills and you want to be able to join into a network and have guidance and assistance in the process uh, or just, you know, serve under somebody else's leadership in it, then join Swamp Rangers because that's what it's about. hundred bucks a year. You become part of a network where we where we're, it's sort of an internal system where we're cooperating together to accomplish this agenda and other things running, you know, involving in recalls and all that sort of thing, too. Like the like the Newsom recall. So either way, either either take it and run with it yourself, or join us and help us build awesome. uh, the network through our ministry. Yes, and you referred to the uh, Emperor Newsom uh, recall going out there in California. I think a lot yeah. of our states would want to uh, recall our uh, Emperor governors. But uh, number five in the plan to restore the republic, Scott, go ahead and talk about um, establishing control. It's, and this is where the RESET comes in. This is MAGA RESET. RESET stands for run every seat every time, <laughs> right? Every seat every time. Once you've got a good grassroots network, then, then you have an army to elect people all the way from dog catcher all the way up to U.S. Senate uh, and in, in your state. And uh, the, the great grassroots, like I said, it beats money and it beats media. Uh, and, uh, and, but, but also we need to beat the GOP establishment, mm, right? Or yes. the, the, the GOP establishment, they're just the junior partners of the Democrats that are, that actually are in control of things. And, uh, and what their system, uh, is designed, their election system is designed to keep you out, to keep true constitutionalists and conservatives out of the process. They want your money. They want your, you to put up yard signs and things like that, but but the but the whole system is designed to prevent you and people like you from getting in the seats of power, and they do that through two things: one, through the corrupt campaign consultant class. Right, uh, the purpose of a campaign consultant is to get you to compromise your principles, right, so that you will uh, come into alignment with their value system. And they use the threat of media criticism as the way to sort of get you to capitulate. Almost everybody, there are very, very few people that are able to resist a campaign consultant's, you know, a, expert opinion that you have to be not be so pro-life and, you know, not oppose this, not be in favor of that. And pretty and, and next thing you know, you're one of them. You're just <laughs> another Mitt Romney mm. uh, and and but, and then the second thing that they do is they is they have this uh, this discouraging you know heavy wet blanket policy of of anybody that steps up that looks like it might be a threat to their agenda oh you can't win right and you shouldn't even get involved if you can't win that is a lie from the pit of hell and what the MAGA movement needs to do is run every seat every time without regard for the opinion. Uh, of the of the campaign consultants without concern even for whether you can win mm. you don't run because you can win you run because you need to learn the process of electioneering wow. you need to learn the nuts and bolts we need a farm team yes we need a farm team not just of candidates but of people who know the election process from the inside that have done it before and that they are they can be the workers in the process and so and plus you when you run uh, you, 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 whatever seat that's open, wherever there's a rhino, wherever there's a Democrat, you know, if there's somebody really good running, don't try, don't interfere with, with what they're doing, unless they're, they're capitulating, unless they're compromising on principles, right? Amen. They, then, uh, you know, you, you get involved in the process, you learn the process, we create a MAGA farm team, uh, and we pin the other side down. We make the bad guys spend money to defend turf that they thought was safe, Right. We use every every platform we have. When you run for office, you have an automatic platform to speak into the political realm with authority just because you filed papers to run. Now, you may be dis dissed by the media. You may be hated by the media. You may be disregarded. It doesn't matter. You have a platform, and you can articulate, and if, and if you're not listening to the corrupt campaign consultants, 
you're going to be speaking plain truth that people never hear. Mm. And that's what, and, and if, if the MAGA movement is doing that from coast to coast, and they're running in 150,000 races across the country, there's going to be such an echo chamber going on with all of the, the basic constitutionalist principles, the media is not going to be able to squelch it. It's going to be too big for them to suppress. Mm. And that's how you win it. That's how you take it back. And that so that run every seat every time from now on forever. And that's how we take the country back. Amen. Um, Scott, can you recommend since a lot of people are a lot of people were awakened in 2020, I think um, our yeah. backs were up against the wall and especially the church. And they were deeming us non-essential. Uh, we saw the power grabs. We saw the everything that took place. Um, from the riots. By the way, you've got firsthand experience. And in, in your younger days, you were an Antifa uh, disciple out there in Portland, weren't you? Would you like to share just a little bit about what you learned? Sure. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I was a radical lefty, guys. I, I, I was an alcoholic and a drug addict from from the from the age of twelve. My dad had had mental health problems. Uh, I was pretty much on my own. I was living on the streets from the time I was sixteen. And uh, I spent 16 years in bondage to drugs and alcohol, and I was a hard lefty. I, I dropped out of school. I finished my high school credits in a far-left hippie alternative school called the King Philip Project, uh, and, uh, and I hitchhiked all over the United States. I lived uh, in Portland. I spent a lot of time on those very streets where all those buildings were burning down, and I hung around with the very sorts of people that were doing uh, the vials. I mean, I wasn't wow. a violent person myself. But the excitement of being part of something like that, I probably would have been hanging around on the fringes, mm. at least. And uh, and so, anyway, so I know from whereof I speak, I've been on that side of the fence. I know how they think, and I know how they act. And, uh, and you know, working as an agent of Jesus Christ in this world is, is a far, far better Amen. life than, than anything that they can offer. Hey, Scott, a lot of people want to understand— um, the motives of Antifa. It seems like they just want to destroy America, what we stand for, capitalism. We understand why the globalists and the elites from other countries want to control because we're such a free country and a free republic here. But what about Antifa? They seem to be aligning in a way. Well, what what do, what yes. is their end goal? Their end goal is chaos, right? That's what, look, the Marxist agenda has always been about destroying not just overcoming, suppressing, pushing aside, destroying Judeo-Christian civilization itself it. so that they can build their own socialist utopia on the ashes. Mm. That's what it's always been about. And Antifa is just sort of like the ultimate expression of that mentality. Now, there's a whole spectrum from Antifa, you know, they're really, they're anarchists. Is there that no government, no limitations, whatever they want to do, and it's all destructive, mm. and 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 all the way to the spectrum of sort of socialism light, uh, which uh, which is you know college students who are living in million dollar homes and <laughs> and uh, you know have you know the, the part of a you know capitalist system in their actual lives, but but uh, but you know because of liberal guilt, you know they they have sort of liberal socialist leaning. Right. There's a whole spectrum and people all across that spectrum in between those two extremes. And that's what we're we're up against. Mm. And what is the what's the ultimate motive behind Marxism? Rejection of God. What's, what's yep. the most fundamental tenet of Marxism? God does not exist. God is the you know, religion is the opiate of the masses. Mm -hmm. And that uh, and that uh, uh, humanism, which is the religion of Marxism, replaces belief in God, and because human beings become their own gods in the form of destructive gods like Shiva, right? Yeah. Like the Hindu god Shiva, that's Antifa, right? Uh, all the way to the, the transhumanists who are sort of envisioning a new form of human beings uh, that are the product of a blending human genetics with animal genetics, uh, uh, robotic uh, enhancements, and all you know, sort of driven by artificial intelligence. That's That's happening unfolding right yes, before our eyes yes it is people are all working these on things this. are yeah all these things are part of I, I believe marxism is the ultimate 
expression of satanic religion. Mm. Amen. Uh, that, that in the in the ancient days, his his forms of religion were crude and obvious, but secular humanism, the religious expression of Marxism, is the ultimate refinement. In fact, the people that follow it as their de facto religious theology don't even think of it as a religion. That's mm. how devious yep. it is. Hey, a minute and a half left, Scott. I'm, you brought up earlier, Build Back Better. A lot of people don't understand that that was the slogan of the World Economic Forum, but at the same time, Joe Biden and his campaign used Build Back Better. Do you think they just realize people are ignorant, they're never going to connect the dots on that? Yeah, of course. And, well, it doesn't matter, because if you if you have all the power, it doesn't matter what the people know. That's true. And that's why this, this, this sort of arrogance right now in, the, in big media and big tech, basically engaging in blatant hypocrisy and double standards because they can do it with impunity. Yeah. Who's going to hold them accountable, right? Mm. But we, the people, can hold them accountable if we get organized, if we follow the MAGA reset plan, we can take the country back for them. And they can't stop us from doing that because we, it's all done basically with low-tech systems. We don't yeah. even need social media to do it. Yep, man. Thank you for your plan to restore the republic. Your five-point plan. You can email Scott Lively Ministries at gmail.com. I'll put the link to your website in today's podcast notes. Stand up for the truth. Is blessed to have you, brother, and 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 people like you that are out there on the front lines fighting the good fight. We will talk to you again soon, my friend. Stay strong. God bless you. Thanks, Bye-bye. Scott. All right. When we come back, we'll let you know who our guests are the rest of this week. Keep it right here. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. Okay, we're laughing because there's this big wall calendar that we have the guests for the podcast, and it is huge. And every time I pick this up, it's like, I don't know, two by, you know, three and a half. It's like, whoa, they couldn't find the big one? And I struggle with it every time. Okay, so tomorrow we are blessed to have Counter Culture Mom, Tina Marie Griffin. She's also with Freedom Project Media now. So we'll catch up with her on Hollywood media and big tech and all the influences that you and your families need to know about. Also, we will uh, do a replay of Steve Smotherman's podcast on Wednesday. We will talk to prophecy expert John Haller on Thursday. Friday, we're still working out uh, booking for that, our guest for Friday. But anyway, busy week again, as always. Um, I hope you appreciated Scott Lively and his work, what he's put into this. He doesn't want to just sit back and go, what can we do? And throw up our hands. We need to be fighting the good fight of faith because we know in the end, Jesus is Lord and truth wins, friends in Christ. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.